0: Our mission is to awaken the hearts of unbelievers to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ by creating a Kingdom culture that will enable growth and help teach others how to walk in the full blessing by unlocking every promise through faith in Jesus. We choose to walk in unity with Christ and others to see the Kingdom of God advanced. Why revival carries? Now I'm going to be preaching my own series, my own message in the meantime, and that's going to be all hell breaks. All hell breaks. I want you to go ahead and declare that with me today. In the name of Jesus, say it repeat after me, in my life, life. all hell breaks. All hell breaks. breaks. God has not called you to be bound by the things that hell has to throw at you. He's called you to live victoriously. Amen? Amen. And if you're not living victoriously in your life, it's time to put the devil in his place. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what we're going to go over why revival tarries, I'm going to be trying to cover around five chapters of the book and just tiny little segments from it and developing a message off of it. So you'll really want to read the book in order to get the fullness of it all. So if you guys are needing one of those books, we went ahead and we purchased some used copies of them. And you guys can get them on the way out. Um, I'll have Vivian sitting at the uh, welcome center beside the doors. We're going to be charging them at cost. So I think we're like five bucks a book. And that saves you guys somewhere around 10 or $11 because I think they're around $15 on the Amazon if you buy them new. We want you guys to be able to have them. If you can't afford it, please let us know. We'll be more than happy to give it to you. It's a good book. It's something that you need to have in your life to read. Um, but. Uh, As much as as I love the book, it focuses a lot on why revival carries, which means why it's being delayed. And while that can be an eye-opener for somebody, I'm going to turn this thing down because it's a little distracting. And while it can be an eye-opener for you to realize why revival is really being delayed in our world, first we have to address our own lives. Because revival starts from within and then it works without, right? God causes a personal revival, a revival, a revitalization of your life, a restoration of your life, and when you come out restored and new, a new creation, resurrected from the dead, you are experiencing personal revival. Now, when multiple people are experiencing personal revival, you have collective corporate revival, and that's what the church knows as revival. So when we talk about revival, we're talking about a mass outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, salvations, healing, deliverance, signs and wonders. We're talking about God moving all over the place. Amen? So this book covers why that sort of revival is being delayed. But as important as it is to know why it's being delayed, it's also important to say, we're not going to put up with it any longer. So, this book is giving us some answers as to why it's being delayed, and it's going to cause us to look at our lives and say, what can we do to do our part to advance the kingdom of God? But this week, say this week, I wonder if there's anyone here that is ready to say, I'm done with old habits, I'm done with addiction. I'm done with my family being tormented by demons. I'm done with addiction running rampant in our street. I wonder if there's anybody here today that is ready to declare, Devil, I've had enough. Amen? Amen? I've had enough torment in this country. We've seen enough division in this country. We've seen our country ripped apart within the last year with racial wars, with a bunch of different things happening. We have seen enough, devil, and we're here to declare war. Yes. We're declaring war this morning. That's right. This is what our battle cry is. Today, all hell breaks. All hell breaks. Amen? Yeah. Amen. John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. This is where we're going to be lingering a little bit today. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. But the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy, somebody say, destroy, destroy. the works of hell. What did Jesus come to do? He came to destroy. You hear a lot of messages being preached about how Jesus comes to make new, how Jesus comes to save, how Jesus comes to heal, how Jesus comes to deliver. And while all of those things are true, there's one thing that people tend to leave out, and that is Jesus Christ has come to destroy. He has come to destroy one thing and one thing alone, and that is every single work of hell in your life. He has come to completely annihilate it. Amen? How many of you are ready to say, I refuse to let the devil walk in my life? Amen? In the name of Jesus, He has come to set every captive free. And according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, He has come to completely destroy the works of hell. Now, how is this going to come to pass in your life? How is this going to... Go ahead and permeate into every single other person's life. How is everyone that you're? This is this is my goal. Not just for you to experience hell breaking in your life, but everyone you come in contact with experiencing hell breaking off in their life. They come into contact with you and the Holy Spirit just starts chiseling at hell in their life and starts demanding, in the name of Jesus, restoration in their families, in the name of Jesus, healing in their body, in the name of Jesus, wealth and prosperity in their finances. Who here is ready to join me in saying, devil, you can't have the people I surround? Amen? Amen? Amen. The first chapter of Wide Revival, Terry, one of the first statements that um, the writer makes is that the Cinderella of the church is the prayer meeting. Now, if you guys remember the story of Cinderella, at least the Disney version, she was the child that was the outcast. There was the stepsisters that were favorited, and then there was Cinderella, the one that was destined for greatness, the one that was promised royalty, the one that was constantly on her knees cleaning the Cinderella of the church is prayer it's not fancy it's not It's not what people strive to experience it's what very few people see as valuable Cinderella was seen as worthless if you remember when it was time for the prince to come and dance with all of the, the pretty ladies and find a bride, Cinderella was locked up in the tower she was told she can't tend here to tell you today prayer isn't always full of intellect prayer isn't always spewing out a bunch of fancy phrases that's preaching it doesn't take it doesn't take a spirit-filled person to stand up and give you a bunch of educated words it doesn't take someone spirit-filled to deliver a message even out of the bible you can have a mind of knowledge and be able to quote things But a message that is birthed within the spirit is going to reach in and it is going to grip a hold of another spirit and shake them loose. And that's what we're here to do today. We are here to shake loose the works of hell in your life. And that happens through your prayer life. Through your prayer life. This is what Jesus said. Remember Jesus taught us how to pray. How many of you guys know the Lord's Prayer? Right? Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is it? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. There's a lot in there. This is what Jesus said. He said, this is how you ought to pray. He begins to teach. That doesn't mean that we read off word for word what he says and that is our prayer. No. He's giving us an example of prayer. And this is the example I want to cover. First, we must recognize who we are talking to. Jesus says, our father, our father, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to those that follow him. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me our Father. So we must first recognize who we are in Christ and that is we have so much more than just a relationship with Christ. We have a sonship. We have a daughtership. We have a direct relation with God. He is our Father. And when you realize that, you're no longer going to God with uh, with your tail tucked going, dear Lord, please give us something. You're saying, God, this is what you promised. Give it to me. How many of you have ever seen a kid promise ice cream do anything but demand it? <laughs> Amen? And this is exactly what God started to tell me. The next four things, yep, we have four. Okay, the next four things God is saying we demand. Ready? First thing we do is we realize who we're talking to. Second thing we do is we demand restoration. Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we know the will of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't pray, God, if it's your will for my healing. Jesus already covered that. The man said, If it is your God, if it's your will, will you heal me? He said, I'm willing. Be healed. So it's no longer, if it's your will, it is, we know the will of God. Now we are going to demand restoration. Why? Because we already have this fundamental belief that there is no sickness in heaven. We already have a fundamental belief that there is no disease in heaven. We already have a fundamental belief that there is no more demonic possession in heaven. We have an understanding that there is no more depression in heaven. So if there is none of that in heaven, why, when we are declaring on earth, as it is in heaven, would we expect any less? We demand restoration. No sickness, no disease, no depression. God is willing. Amen? Restoration is not a question, it's a promise. The third thing is provision. We demand provision. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Provision is not a question, it is a promise. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, restoration. Give us, not please give us, give us this day our daily bread. Every single daily need, it will be provided unto you. Because provision is a promise and provision can be demanded. I dare you to sit down and just demand your bills be met. Demand that raise that you've been needing. Lord, you said that you are going to provide every single need according to your riches and glory. Lord Jesus, I have a bill that's needed to be met. I don't care how you do it, but your word says it's coming, so I demand it come. Amen. Amen. If you look George Mueller in history, George Mueller, he ran an orphanage. He was a, he was a preacher that ran an orphanage, and he refused to ask anyone for anything. That is his legacy. He refused to ask anyone for anything. Instead, he prayed. And he demanded that things come. You see, George Mueller knew who he was in Jesus. George Mueller didn't have a special relationship with God. He just realized where he stood in the relationship. There's a story. Uh, They were out of bread. They were out of milk. And they had nothing to feed the kids in the orphanage the next morning. They were down at night, and his wife came to him. We're completely out of food. We're completely out of milk. We're completely out of every single thing that could possibly feed them. And she said, what are we going to do? We need to call somebody. He said, we need to pray. So he gathered all the kids around, and they prayed. In the name of Jesus, give us this day our daily bread. You know what happened? It's awesome. The very next morning... A baker knocks on the door. God woke me up at four in the morning and told me to make you bread. A milk truck broke down outside of their house and unloaded all of it and said you can have as much as you want. God goes outside of the natural ways of doing things. right? You don't need money for your food. You need food. You need food. You don't need money to get it. You need food. So pray in the name of Jesus, deliver the needy. Stop praying and asking God, because sometimes you think you have it all figured out the best way of doing things. The best way is where we can just pay it all off and, and do it our own way. God gives money so that way we can get this done. I don't care how it gets done, just get it, right? We don't, we don't need $1,000 to pay off our whatever it is. You need that thing paid off. So in the name of Jesus, pay it off. is needed. Amen? Amen. So the first thing we do is recognize who we are. We recognize who we're talking to. Second thing we do is we demand restoration. Third thing we demand provision. The fourth thing we demand forgiveness. With a heart of repentance. Right? Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. They demand forgiveness. God's grace covers a multitude of sin. Forgiveness when demanded with repentance is not a question. It's always a promise. God will always forgive When you come with a heart of repentance. Amen. Not a question. Doesn't matter what you did. Doesn't matter who you are or what you've become. When you pray and ask for forgiveness. Repented. Saying I'm no longer doing these things. God I realized I was wrong and you were right. Forgive me. You are automatically forgiven. Not a question. A promise. Then the next thing we demand deliverance. It's not God's plan. For your mind, will, and emotion to be tormented. His plan, we know, according to the Bible, is to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. Amen? Amen. It's not God's character to bring burdens upon your life. You're not supposed to live with a spirit of heaviness. It says His burdens are easy and His yoke is light. He's given you peace. If you're not experiencing peace in your life, it's time that we demand that peace to come. Amen? Amen. We know that without sin, there is no sickness, there is no depression, there is no lack. Those things are just byproducts of sin, but Jesus came to completely destroy the works of hell. All of them. Every single one. Not just where you're going for eternity. It's not just where, where you're going to spend eternity. It's not about heaven or hell, right? That's, that's awesome. That's a part of it, right? we get to spend eternity with Jesus. But Jesus came to give you so much more. Don't sell yourself short of the miracle God's wanting to give you because you're unwilling to tell the devil where to go. Tell him to go back to hell where he came from. The devil's been a sinner since the beginning of time. And those that follow him are just like it. That's what we say, you see right here. 1 John 3, verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So the first thing the Bible does is he describes what the devil is. He's a sinner. And those that follow him sin. The next thing God does in the Bible is he describes what Jesus does. Jesus comes to destroy the works of hell. Which means if you are like the devil and of the devil because you're sinning if we're of jesus like the bible says we are right we're in christ and christ is in us if that's the reality then not only does jesus destroy the works of hell but you destroy the works of hell in your life you're walking around with the power and authority invested into you and given to you by christ jesus alone What do you have to fear? You have the ability to rise up, know who you are in Christ, know the relationship that you have with him. Whatsoever things you ask in the name of Jesus will be given unto you. You have the power and authority given to you by Jesus to lay hands on the sick, out devils speak in new tongues. So why are we not destroying the works of hell everywhere we go? I don't care if you're in the supermarket and the Lord tugs on your heart to go pray for somebody. if we're not stretching out our hand and praying for those that are sick and going to those that God leads us to then we are not accomplishing what God has placed us here for and that is to destroy the works of hell. Amen. Amen. This is what we know. You were born for such a time as this. God told me this. He said, you should be like Esther. Born for such a time as this. You should be like Jeremiah. Before God God formed you in your mother's womb, he knew who you were. And he had a destiny and a plan set out for you. And that plan is to destroy the works of hell. Amen? Amen. Amen. We were created to destroy. And when you look up the word destroy, it means completely destroy totally annihilate, wipe out as if though it never existed, completely crumble it all. How many of you would like to walk around with your life knowing without a shadow of a doubt it's as if though hell never existed in your life? Oh yeah, there's lots of people, when people say I'm living in a living hell, they're not kidding. They are walking around with every single work and the burden and the weight of hell weighing upon Jesus, there should be a noticeable difference in your life that just you start glowing with heaven, knowing that every single work of hell has been ripped out of your life as if though it never existed to begin with. And when you walk around other people and they see your life, they want to know what you have. You start sharing that with them and instantly they should start seeing the works of hell being totally destroyed in their life. And sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it takes a minute to completely get rid of old addictions and habits. Sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it really quite frankly sucks. But you have been given the power and authority by Jesus Christ to stand firm on what the Word of God says. You have been given victory in Christ. So why should we demand anything but it? Jesus Christ gives us victory. Amen? Amen. Well, the next week, I'm going to ask you guys to read the first five chapters of this book. But before you do, there's a few things that he frequently mentions that I want to bring out to you. He frequently mentions preachers and pulpits. Preachers and pulpits. And when I read this book the first time, I'm like, that's really good. That's something every single pastor needs to get in their hand and read and understand. And when God told me to start sharing that with you and to have you guys read along with us, I said, like, God, it's geared entirely towards pastors. He said, no, it's geared towards preachers. It's geared towards preachers. I said, but he mentions pulpits, and that's what this thing is. (laughs) Like, so clearly he's talking about pastor, and God said, no, nope. every preacher has a pulpit. It doesn't matter where the location is. So this is what I have for you. Jesus told his disciples, those that follow him, go into the world and do what? Preach. Go into the world and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So when you open your mouth about the good news of Jesus, to preach simply means proclaim. So when you are walking around in your life proclaiming the gospel, you are a preacher. And God told me, the pulpit is just a place where the preacher proclaims. So everywhere your feet touch is your pulpit. Anywhere you go, anywhere you stand, and you start talking about Christ, you're a preacher preaching in the pulpit. So this book is just as much for you as it is anybody else. Just as much for you as it is anybody else. So the last thing I want to declare is this. I want you guys to join with me. Repeat after me. I am a preacher. I am a preacher. I have a pulpit. And in the name of Jesus, Jesus. All all hell must break. Amen.